Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Bible with you today. Go ahead and get that out. If you brought, got your Bible apps on your phones or iPads, go ahead and fire those things up as well. And uh, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew the 16th chapter. Are you ready to get into some, some good stuff today, some word? It'll feed your, it'll feed your faith tremendously as we, as we get into this. Let's give our full attention and focus, huh? Let's give our full honor and respect to the Lord and His Word here today. If you will treat it with high regard, it will do for you what it would not do if you, if you esteem it otherwise. Amen. Amen. We began now uh, a few weeks ago with this new series I've called Authorized. Authorized. And, uh, and let, me, let me get you caught up real, real quick. And by the way, if you haven't been here, um, these messages are available to you on our website for, for free. And they do, it will do you so much more good than uh, most things on TV <laughs> uh, and many other things you could do with your time. If you'll give some of your time to the things of God and the Word of God, it'll revolutionize your life. And, uh, and so access it if you, if you desire, and the, the Lord will honor you as you honor Him. Uh, but it was God's original plan that His people have dominion in the earth. That we were not to be ruled or dominated, but rather that we would be in charge. Not that our lives and our circumstances and this world would be out of control, but that literally we would control it, okay? So don't you mean God would control it? No, no, I mean that we would control it. He turned it over to people so we would run things for Him. He is an expert delegator, uh, and He did that. Um, one, one very important Bible truth that we should all understand is that God frequently will give things to people, but then their response to that will determine whether they're able to enjoy it and benefit from, uh, from it, from that gift that He gives. In other words, there is God's side of giving, but then we must take up what He has given us. We must lay hold of it and embrace it. Yeah, uh, in the Old Testament... If you'll read back in the book of Numbers, when uh, God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, and they were headed to what is called the promised land, you will discover that He had given that land to them. And He told them, this thing is yours, man. I've prepared this for you. It belongs to you. It's as good as done. The title was signed. It was transferred into their ownership. But you know what a bunch of them did is they walked up there and they became afraid. They believed bad reports. They, there were some issues there. And they, they, there was a whole generation that lived in the wilderness even though they had the title for the promised land. The land that flows with milk and honey. In other words, God had given it to them, but it was still their job to go in and get it. You think there's anything in our lives that are that way? 
See, if a person said, well, I believe whatever God gives, it will just happen, independent of my involvement, of my participation. No, no. And that also presents the possibility that we are living life with less than our potential. It's possible that just like Israel, God has given us some things, but we have yet to grab hold of them. We have yet to go into the land and possess them. All right? And so with that understanding of how the kingdom of God works and how He relates to us, it will, it will change how we deal with circumstances in life. We'll become far less passive and just kind of waiting for things to happen and far more assertive, and we're going to go out and make stuff happen. We're going to go out and lay hold of what God has promised, what He has provided. Uh, but you'll, you'll, you might notice this through Scripture, that God has always needed a person to carry out His will. When I say needed, I mean needed. I mean the way He designed His kingdom, it wasn't that He would be the one doing everything. In fact, even in the New Testament, you know, uh, you know that we've been given the Holy Spirit, and you know one of the primary words used to describe the Holy Spirit is the word helper. You know, how many know that's different than doer? I'm just waiting on God to do it. Well, He's not the doer. You're the doer. He's the helper. Well, God's going to do it for me. No, He's not. He's going to help you, though. But if we don't understand those roles, we're going to get we're going to miss out on a whole bunch of stuff that He intends for us. But, <laughs> Amen. But he has always worked this way. He works with people. You go back to the Old Testament, you'll find that God uh, found a man named Abraham, and he cut a covenant with Abraham. Well, why bother with that? It was necessary. He had turned things over to people, and he needed someone with flesh and blood to cooperate with him. Someone who would believe. Someone who would have faith in him. And then he got, an, he got access into the earth. And then his plan started unfolding to one day bring Jesus or God manifest in the flesh to be our substitute and take away the sins of the world. But he did not do that independent of our cooperation. Someone had to say yes. Someone had to believe. Someone had to obey him. Someone had to cooperate with what he desired to do. Then and only then was God's plan revealed, was God's plan fulfilled and his will manifest. It still works that way. Just the way it always has. It works in your life today. He won't just do it, but he'll talk to you about it. And He'll make it available to you. And He'll reveal His promises. But then there's our part in taking up what He has given. Hallelujah. Amos, Amos chapter 3 and verse 7 reads this way. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. But that's an interesting statement. The Lord God does how many things? Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't do anything except He works with people. And he reveals his secret to the prophets. Amen. Now, look with me over at Matthew chapter 16. You should have had time to, to find that. If not, um, it'll still be there whenever you get there. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. This is Jesus speaking here right after he told Peter and the disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Verse 19. He went on to say, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right? I want you to consider and think about what the Lord is talking to us about here today. He said, I will give you the, the, the keys. I think we understand that a key gives someone a right and ability to go places they couldn't go without them. They can go through a locked door that someone without the key could not go through, right? Uh, A key gives you access. If something's in a safe, but you have the key to that safe, you can access what's in it. Or if something is, is, you know, tied up somehow with a lock, with a, 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 you know, a padlock, you can open up that lock if you have the key. And so a a key then speaks to um, being able to do things you couldn't do without them, to go places you couldn't go without them. The key, it's how things work. This is how the kingdom of God works. You need keys. If you don't have keys, you can't go places you want to go. You can't access things that you need. But the Lord said... I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going, to give, uh, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so how does the church overcome the gates of hell? Or how do they not prevail against us? They are unsuccessful in prevailing against us because we have the keys. Well, if we have the keys, what do we do with the keys? We bind and we loose. Say, no, don't you mean to say the Lord binds and loose? No. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed. So would there be any problem if a person was waiting on God to bind up some things for them? Would there be any problem if someone was waiting for the Lord to loose some stuff in their life? That would be a problem because according to Jesus, that's not his job. That would be our job. Say, but Lord, you can do anything. I know, but I gave it over to you. But I gave you the key. Lord, open the door. No, 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 I gave you the key. Lord, but set me free from this situation. No, but I put that in your hand. I I, I put that in your control. You go ahead. Well, what if a person doesn't know that they can do what they can do? then they won't do what they can do and they will not enjoy what they can have. That's why this is vital that we see this because too often uh, religion has taken over and people become passive and they think every good thing that happens is up to God whether it happens or not. Or stopping any kind of evil, that's all up to the Lord. Not. Not the way He works with us. Whatever you bind... Whatever you lose, is that different than saying, Lord, stop this from happening to me? Yes, it's different. It's a different way of approach. It's a different way of dealing with life. Uh, An old minister named uh, John Wesley uh, years ago made this statement. He said, it seems that God can do nothing in the earth unless someone asks him. Interesting statement. What? Because people would choke up on that if, when, with the way they've been taught. What do you mean? It seems God can do nothing. God can do anything. No, 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 no. 
See, we're not talking about God's ability to do something. He is never short in strength, in might, in wisdom. He is God. But we are talking about His right to do it. Meaning this, if He turned it over to someone else, He honors that giving. He honors that turning over. And so then He is restricted from just doing His will by His own ability. Amen. And how He gets His will done in the earth in many areas of our lives is by us seeing the truth and taking what's been given to us and putting it into operation. Amen. Look with me over at John chapter 14. You're in Matthew there. Just if you go right, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. There's an interesting statement Jesus made here. Um, well, I'll go ahead and read it and then, and, uh, and then comment. John 14, verse 13, he said, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, on first glance, that looks like he's talking about prayer us asking him to do something. But I noticed this years ago when reading that verse and then comparing it to some very similar things he said in the 16th chapter of John, they didn't seem to mesh together. Because here Jesus said, whatever you ask, he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it. But then I read in the 16th chapter where Jesus said, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. So which one is it, Lord? Am I supposed to ask the Father in your name and He's going to give it? Or am I just supposed to ask and you're going to give it? So I so, said, well, that's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Listen, these words are very specific and very precise. And if we'll look at the differences, we'll get an understanding that'll make us free. And it'll tell us how to operate in God's kingdom. There are certainly and most definitely times where the right thing to do is to get on your knees and make request of the Father and do it in Jesus' name. Okay? We say, Father, I ask you this in Jesus' name. What's that called? That's authority in prayer. That means you have the right given to you by God to come into the throne room and ask Him for stuff. That's prayer. But this verse technically is not prayer. Even though it used the word ask there, this is interesting. Uh, the Greek word used there for ask in John 14, uh, 13, it means a demand for something due. When Jesus said whatever you, quote, ask in my name, I will do. Literally, the asking is John 16. This is the demanding. He's saying, whatever you demand in my name, I'm going to make it happen. That's a different approach. It's a different, different, way, to, different way to deal with it. No, no, just hold on for some of you who are totally nervous. I'm not talking demanding Jesus. We're not bossing the Lord around. He's the master. He's the, we bow our knee to him. We're not demanding, the, telling the Lord what to do. 
Okay? But we're, we do demand things in His name. We're saying, devil, we're saying circumstance, we're saying this situation, you have to change, and you have to do it in Jesus' name. What happens when believers do that? Jesus steps up to make it happen. He said, when you'll do that in my name, I will perform it. I will give it to you. I will make it happen. Huh? This is in the context of us doing the greater works of Jesus. How many times did you see Jesus when he was uh, ministering to people and healing people and doing all these things? How many times was he making requests of the Father to do it? You'll have a hard time finding that. Even when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed there, but he said, I'm just praying for their sake because they're listening. (laughs) He said, Father, I know you always hear me, but here they are. (laughs) Why? Here's the deal. He knew what he had. He knew what he could do. And so he would just go make it happen. He would operate and live and minister as one who was in charge. As one who was dominant over the circumstance and over demonic situations. Over all kinds of... He carried himself that way. And then he said, and now, by the way, I'm leaving. Holy Spirit's coming. And now whatever you demand in my name, I'm going to back you up. See, this is an element of the walk of the Christian life that people are just unaware of and so everything is asking and no one knows their place. No one know what knows what's been given to them. Hallelujah. Now, I want to uh, I want to back up for a minute, minute and then move forward and take you through how this transfer of authority basically took place in human history. All right. We've covered some of this in previous lessons, so I won't, I won't uh, take time to elaborate on it. But this is the way it started. First of all, number one, God created the earth and gave Adam authority over it. Okay? He gave Adam dominion in the earth. The second thing that happened was Adam sinned and thereby transferred that authority over to Satan. That's how Satan got the right to be here and the right to rule and reign in people's lives is he got it from Adam. Now, I, I want to I break that part down a little bit and, and share a little bit with you. If you would look with me at Luke chapter 4, uh, Luke the fourth chapter, I want you to see this with your own eyes and see that we're not making these things up. Uh, I know some individuals that you've not heard some of this before, and but there was a time when I've never heard this before. There was a time when many of us didn't know what we know. But I want to show you there are a lot of verses on this. There are a lot of uh, scriptures that deal with this very uh, truth. Now, in, in Luke chapter 4, this is when Jesus, after he was baptized in water, filled with the Spirit... He went out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Remember that? Okay. In during that temptation, one of those temptations went like this. Verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You can see how things can work spiritually. You can see a whole lot very quick. All right. And you can move without planes, trains, and automobiles. You can be transferred. You can be translated and moved instantly. This happened. 
He saw all of it in a moment. Verse 6. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now, that's an interesting statement. What he said, and someone might immediately go and say, well, that was the devil talking. That doesn't mean it's true. But it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't call him out on it. When, when Satan said, see all this, all this authority, it's been given to me. I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. Jesus didn't say, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Devil, who do you think you are? You don't have this. That belongs to my Father in heaven who told you you own all this. He didn't say that. Why? Because he was right. Satan was correct in this. That's why this is also called a temptation. If Jesus knew, he is totally lying here. He's making this up. There would be no temptation. You can't give what you don't have. And if you can't give me anything, why would I even be tempted in this situation? How did Satan get all the authority? It was given to him. Who gave it to him? Adam did. Adam gave it to it to him, and he literally had control of it at that time, and he could give it to whoever he wanted. That was a true statement. All right? Um, but this is interesting. I mean, I think we could go practical here for, for a brief moment. <laughs> How many know uh, the right thing received the wrong way can be very, very wrong? Yeah? Have you ever had a, had a vision, had a desire, had a goal to do something, accomplish something, or re- receive something, and there were some ways you could get to it, shortcuts, get to it quicker, but you had to bend ethically, you had to, you had to cut some corners, you had to do some things that were not right, that, wouldn't, uh, that would violate your conscience and so forth? Never do that. Never do that. Okay, it might be the right thing. Do it the Lord's way. When it's done the Lord's way... There's a whole lot on the table that can be right and it can be fine, and, and, but you wait and, and do things His way and it'll be, it'll be good. But again here, we see with, with, with the Lord Jesus that this was a temptation. Why? Because Jesus came to get this very thing. This is why Jesus was here, to undo what Adam did. Adam gave it away Jesus came to get it back. And so he was here to retrieve this authority so God's creation could begin again to be elevated to a place of rulership, to a place of dominion, and not be ruled over by sin and Satan and all the junk in this world. And so Jesus was coming to do this, and here it looks like a shortcut. But thank God, of course. (laughs) He's like, whatever. Not... Those are my those are my words. Uh, talk to the hand or whatever, whatever. No, I'm not going to do it. He he responded, of course, with the word of God every single time. But you see, that language is happening in the spirit. There's another time. You you will notice if you read the gospels. Sometimes when Jesus would come into a situation where someone was demon possessed. Matthew chapter 8 is an example of this. Someone was demon-possessed. The demon in that person would recognize Jesus. And sometimes they would speak up. 
like with the when, when he came in, in, in Matthew chapter 8 and he came across the sea and there was those two naked guys living in the cave. Remember that? Demon-possessed, cutting themselves, all this kind of funky stuff. And Jesus came up and they said, We know who you are! It's, it's Matthew 8, 8, 8 29. They, they, they suddenly cried out saying, What are we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us? Look, before the time. Have you come here to torment? They knew that there is a future time when they will be tormented. They also knew it was not yet. Jesus, what are you doing here already? What, what's, the, what's the issue with this time thing? Now, here's how I will extrapolate this. And you, you can look at this and you make your call and see if what I'm saying is, is scripturally accurate. But God gave Adam the earth on lease. He didn't sign over title to him. He wrote up a contract, said, you're going to have dominion, even though it didn't say that in Genesis. You can see it in other places. He gave it to him for a period of time. When he turned it over to Satan, Satan took over that lease, and he had dominion in the earth and the right to be here for a period of time. Otherwise, the demons wouldn't say, what are you doing here already? Time's not up yet. They all knew this was a time deal. Okay? And it was not time. That means the time is coming. And if you read Scripture, you know there's a day coming real soon where, where a big angel is going to come with a big honking chain and wrap it around Satan and bind him up and cast him into a pit for a thousand years. That's called, that's called the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. Satan will be bound up. There's a time coming. These things were all said in advance. There's a time. And so Adam, when he gave over dominion, he gave over the right in this earth for a set period. And that's why these demons could do these, uh, the, these very things. And you read over in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and, and notice over there in verse 3. Let's put that up and we'll read. It, it, it reads this way. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds... The God of this age has blinded. The minds who the God of this age has blinded. Why do some people not receive the grace and mercy and kindness and love and forgiveness of God? They're blind. That's the reason. Why are they blind? There's this dude called the God of this age. Some translations read the God of this world. But I want you to think about that. First of all, who is that, by the way? Anyone? That's Satan. Satan is called the God of this age. What do you mean age? This time period. He doesn't have the right to rule and reign on earth forever. But there's a time period where he's called a ruler. He's called a God. Small g. God of this age. The, the Greek word there is, is the word aeon. A-I-O-N. And it simply, the word for age, it simply denotes a a particular period. So you can see demons recognized, man, you're here early. Time's not up. And then Satan is called the God of this time period, the God of this age. And so I can see from uh, putting these things together how this was given on on loan, on, on, on lease. 
now in this period, we have a time where we should understand who's running things. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 reads this way from the NIV. We know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Well, how many people will frequently say the whole, God is controlling everything? God controls everything that happens in the world. That's not what the Bible said. That's not what the Scriptures reveal, that God's controlling everything. In fact, just the opposite. It said the whole world's under the control of the evil one. Well, how did he get, get here? This is number two. This is how God gave it the authority to Adam, but then Adam turned it over to Satan. And he has the right to run and uh, to rule and to dominate. He's called the prince of the power of the air. And he wrecks havoc in many people's lives today. Everybody with me? Am I going too, too far, too fast, too deep? Too, uh, this is how the kingdom of God works. If we don't get this, we'll won't, we won't cooperate with, with, with the Lord. So what happened after that? Is, is this. So God gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. That's the current state. Uh, but then Jesus came along. Right? And what Jesus did is, this is number three, Je- Jesus came to legally retrieve that authority. Legally retrieve it. Not just, I'm God, I'm taking it back. That's not how God works. He honors his own word, his own decisions, his own authority that's been delegated. He's not just taking it back. No, he snuck in through Jesus and legally purchased our redemption. Legally took back what the enemy had had taken. Yeah, what had been given. Uh, Look with me at Colossians uh, chapter 2. Colossians. If you were in Luke, keep going right. And you will run, if you don't go too fast, into Colossians. All right? Colossae, a city. Uh, Jesus came to legally retrieve that authority. And this is where it says it. This is cool. Okay? In in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, this is talking about the Lord Jesus. It says, having disarmed principalities... And powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So what did he do? Having disarmed. In other words, Satan was armed. What was he armed with? He was armed with authority. But what did Jesus do? He disarmed him. He took his weapon away. He took his ability to dominate away from him. Yeah, God gave it to Adam, and Adam gave it to Satan, and Jesus took it from Satan. Okay, now this is an interesting thing that took place. The words they used here for disarmed, or you might see some translations say he stripped him of his power. Okay, the word they're used, the people of their day had an understanding that we may lack. And it's because of how military... um, incursions took place, and when one nation would win a war uh, with another nation, how they would react, how they would deal with their leaders was very uh, interesting and humiliating and defeating. 
And what this literally meant, this term used in the Greek here, it was a term um, that referred to a military ceremony where a victorious Roman uh, general would stand before a defeated enemy in the presence of their armies while the defeated enemy stood at attention the conquering general stripped his uniform of all insignia, medals, badges, and other symbols of authority. Basically just took him down right in front of everybody. He also stripped him of all his military names and titles and claimed them as his own. This is the picture when the church at Colossae received this letter and they said, Jesus stripped Satan of his power. He disarmed principalities and powers. They knew, oh yeah, I know what that means. That means he just lost the right to do anything. He lost all the things that he had earned. I think, think this, all these things on his uniform and his names and his titles, he stripped him down to nothing and now he has no power to do anything. That's what happened when Jesus dealt with Satan through his death and burial and resurrection. He stripped Satan of his power. Ha ha ha. I don't know if you know this, but this is really good news for us. Okay, because here, now watch. The way this works in the kingdom of God is not because that's the case. Satan can no longer be here. That time period will still come. Okay, that time is running out very, very soon. In the meantime, though, that authority is given to the church. He said... That's why Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys. So whatever you bind will be bound. Why? Why would it be bound if I bind it? Because we have the medals and the insignia, the name. We have the rank. We have that. Why? It was taken from Satan. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. And so it's been won. The victory's been won. And it's been given to the church. It's not necessarily given, it's, I'm going to say it this way, it's available, but not everyone on the planet now can override Satan's works. He still dominates through deception, through blindedness, through keeping this information away. He still rules during this time period. But for those in the church, once we know it, we're laughing. If you don't know it, he'll still rule over you. But as soon as you know it, Man, I've got the gun. I've got the baton. I've got the uniform. I've got the name. I've got these things that the Lord has given me. And so I am going to stop this nonsense from happening in my life. Some of you have been dealing. You can look back in your family. It's like there's a curse on your family. I mean, you don't want to be overly superstitious or anything, but if you could describe it any other way, man, people keep doing the same stupid things generation after generation, and everyone's addicted, and everyone does this, and poverty rules in our family, and sickness and disease keeps coming up generation after generation. That's a curse, man. And I'm telling you, if you're a believer, it's illegal. It it doesn't have the right to be there. But someone has got to understand this. Someone has got to know this. So they'll stand up and say, that's the end of that. It stops here. And it stops today. Well, I'm praying for God to do it. Here's His answer to you. It just came. You got His answer. Amen. And good news, the answer is yes. It just happens differently than some might have thought it would happen. 
Hallelujah. But this is why we have scriptures like Revelation. And turn to Matthew. We're going to end there. I have to, I have to cut this short. Um, and I'll give you number four next week. There's four parts, four parts to this. Uh, four parts to this message, not the series. There's lots more parts to the series. Uh, Matt, you, you go to Matthew 28. Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. What do you mean you have the keys? Where'd you get them? Where'd you get those keys? I took them off, Satan. We had a little collision there a while back, and I won. And he took the keys from him. And that's why Jesus has the keys. And that's why he said earlier, I'm going to give you the keys. Because he has the keys. He can give them to us. Amen. Now, by the way, by the way, just in case there's any deep thinkers, this thing, whole thing is safeguarded from us giving it away again. Say, well, Adam had it and he gave it away. And Jesus had to go through all that stuff to get it back. And now the Lord's giving it back over to us again. That's dangerous. Huh? The way he's giving it to us again is not technically turning it over to us. We, uh, he basically retains the authority and delegates it to, for our use. Do you know that it's like a covenant? Man, if someone sins, they're separated from God, and then you get saved, but then you sin again. <gasps> Junk. <laughs> I'm separated from God again. No, because the covenant that God established with us is really with Jesus. His covenant is between the Father and the Son. Our faith in Jesus, we slide in on all the perks and benefits of this covenant, but we can never mess it up. We can never spoil this thing where we break the covenant. It's with Jesus. We have faith in Jesus, or we are, quote, in Christ, and therefore we get all the perks. I don't know if this sounds too good to be true. Uh, this is the mercy and grace and, and wisdom of God that goes beyond what we would ever do. Hallelujah. All right, let's finish. Everybody okay? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth earth. What do you mean, Jesus? You are God. You're the eternal one. What do you mean authority has been given to you? You already had it. No, he didn't already have it. He did have an authority to, to do ministry while here on the earth in his physical body, and that's a greater explanation. He could do that, but the authority that he came to retrieve from Adam's turning it over, he did not have before. But now it had been given to him. This is right before he went back to, back to heaven. And he said, hey guys, good news. All, for, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you know the very next word he said? He said, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and so forth and so on. What, what does that mean? He, it's basically this. I'm in charge and I'm giving you the right to do things in my name. He said, you're going to go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's given us the right to do things in His name. In other words, He delegated it back out again. 
I've got it all back for you. So here you go. Now go do this. Now go do this on my behalf. Go do this in my name. And that's the position we stand in today. Thank you, Lord, having received this commission from the Lord and to be reauthorized once again as authorities in this world. Praise God. And then number four, I don't have time today. And so, uh, but I'll be back next week. And, uh, and we're going to do number four and more. That sounds good. Four and more next time. Pray with me now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.